Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Alberto Medina. He's a business consultant specializing in construction. So Alberto, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. So you have a vast background in business. I mean, when you were a child, you know, did that sort of business side of you sort of come out in any way? I guess so. I started uh, putting things apart uh, sincerely. So I got my first reprimand when uh, the uh, record player didn't work because I got disabled. I had played with it in terms of uh, putting it apart. I, I couldn't put it back together. So yes, uh, the engineering curiosity started very early and that drove me to uh, an engineering career. Yeah, so so it wasn't business, but engineering. Okay, so what were your early uh, early jobs? I graduated in Mexico, in Monterrey, Mexico, as a mechanical and electrical engineer. And uh, I was lucky to get a government scholarship to uh, move to Japan for over a year on a training program with, uh, back then with Mitsubishi Electric. We were 100 Mexican trainees in exchange for 100 Japanese trainees coming to Mexico. And that kept me in Japan for uh, over a year. You, you must have been a celebrity in Japan. Well, it was it was fun. I mean, I, among the hundred Mexicans that were part of the program, only two of us had uh, Japanese lessons before we uh, arrived to Japan. So we were the only two arriving to the airport, the only two that could understand what they were telling us in Japanese. So it was it was it easy to make friends? Yes, indeed, very good friends. True. I mean, you know, the language the language will open doors for you. You know, wonderful. Especially in Japan. So when you came, you said a year. So when you were finished that, what did you do? I came back to Mexico and started working for a Mexican company, Mexican government-owned company that was building the largest steel complex in Mexico on the Pacific coast, north of Cihuatanejo. Uh, it was a humongous project, the largest in Mexican history, actually. At the peak of it, we had uh, 18,000 people working at site. Wow. So I worked in Mexico. I worked for this company in Mexico for six months in Mexico City. And then they decided to make me a resident engineer in Europe. So I moved to Italy for two years, representing this company and traveling all over to uh, supervise the manufacturing of, of the equipment. I mean, that's a big jump. What, what did they tell you they, they saw in you? I guess the ability to make things happen. I mean, I didn't have much experience other than the year in Japan. But I guess that the uh, the general manager, the project manager, saw that I was uh, willing to go into the copy room to make copies when needed and you know, to make things happen. And that's what he needed. You know, so, yeah. And then when you were traveling around in this new role that you know was extremely challenging, what did you learn? Well, back then I only spoke Spanish and English and some Italian that I learned on my way. I had some French and German lessons before moving to Italy but not enough to maintain a conversation. So because I was a client, everything, all the meetings were in English or Spanish. And uh, basically I learned how to put 
people together. You have to make people of different nationalities and different backgrounds understand each other and avoid conflict and you know get things done. Yeah. Any like high-level tips you can give someone on that that doesn't have the experience of putting people together there with different backgrounds and and interests. There is a saying in, in English, I mean, when you and I are talking about anything, we say, okay, we need to be on the same page, okay? And I took that saying uh, literally, and I tried to get people to put things, or myself, to put things on one page. So literally, you will bring people to one page by presenting whatever you're talking about, a big project or not, in one page. It's challenging, but if you manage to uh, to make a summary or a spreadsheet or a drawing or something representing ideas in one page, well, then you get people to be on the same page. From there on, getting things done is easier, whether you are speaking different languages or different cultures. Yeah, that makes sense. If you present a 100-pages document in any language or graphics, to a bunch of people at the table from different countries, the likelihood of you getting things done is not much. Yeah. And I know in your business consulting thing you do for many companies, you have sort of a one-page thing. Is that how it's evolved over the years? Yes. Uh, you know, we we all learn sometimes the uh, key rule that originally was keep it simple, stupid. And I never liked the part of uh, the stupid part of it because People get offended when you say that they are stupid. Nobody likes to be called stupid. So I rewarded that rule or that in two key rules. One is keep it short and simple. And the other one, keep it to a single sheet. Mm. And those two are my my everything. Uh, When consulting and I approach uh, potential clients, as you and I talked some time ago, I never offer any kind of sophistication or any kind of... uh, complicated systems or not. On the contrary, I I offer my best to simplify things. That is the first rule, keep it short and simple. And then my challenge or my commitment is that I will present you with one page report for every item or every issue that is uh, to be solved. And what, what are the, you know, I, I've seen the sheet, but the sheet, you, you outline different areas that an organization should be concerned about. What are some of the things that are on that sheet? The basic idea is that any business, regardless of what you sell or produce or manufacture, uh, have a number of critical areas that could be even less than 10 critical areas, depending on what business we're talking about. But any business will need financing. Any business has ownership, and the ownership could be corporate or family. Any business will need manufacturing or not. If it is service-oriented, the likelihood of you needing heavy equipment is practically nil. So if you are in software, your everything is what kind of computers you have and what kind of systems you, you drive in those computers. So basically, by defining the critical areas for any business, regardless of what you do, you are way ahead of solving any kind of problem because you focus on what those areas require. If your deal is, for instance, in construction, well, construction is a very wide term. If you are in heavy construction, well, then you need heavy equipment. So you are talking about every piece of equipment costing even hundreds of millions of dollars. 
I mean, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, where if you are in light construction, maybe you need a shovel and a nothing. It varies with every business, but, but you need to be sure that what you are looking at is what really matters for the business. Yeah. And construction, you know, it's, it's high stakes. There's a lot of moving pieces mm -hmm. and there's a lot of fear that can come with that. How do you help, you know, owners and, and people through that? Following the two rules, I mean, simplify, 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 and then define those critical areas and then somehow develop or implement uh, simple systems that will allow the decision makers to have what matters on one piece of paper. See, the attention span that we all have these days with uh, cell phones and computers and not is very, very short. Uh, you will be very lucky if you present somebody with a two-page report that they pay enough attention to the second page. So, and younger generations, the guys that are on their mid-20s or mid-30s, who in most cases are the decision makers now, they want everything pronto and, and, and very, very summarized. I mean, if you don't answer a text message in a matter of five minutes, it's not good. So consequently, when reading reports, they won't give you more than five minutes for any kind of report. So here we go again, one page. <laughs> There's no way around it. <laughs> You've told me many different stories. I mean, with all the things that you're involved in, what, what are some of your most memorable stories, whether good or bad, I mean, that, that you've encountered? That first job that I described, the, the one in Mexico by the Pacific Coast, it was, I mean, we went through hurricanes and earthquakes and not. And as I said, with 18,000 people working any given day in that, in that job site, as you can imagine the craziness going around. So, and then when, when we commissioned the plant, it was a huge steel complex. When we commissioned the plant, we had the two presidents of Mexico, the one, the one recently elected and, and the other one, and both wanted the medal for that plant. So we had the two presidents there. We had uh, visitors from all kinds of venues. We had the Shah of Iran visiting with us and all that. So we had very significant experiences, but the most enjoyable one is when we got the first piece of steel of rebar out of the out of the complex, and from there on, everything happened uh, smoothly, if, if you can say. But that is a very fulfilling experience when you go through years and years dealing with all challenges, nature or not, business or not, and you manage to accomplish that as well. Likewise, down the road, moved in Europe uh, some I don't know, thirty years or so. I was involved in another. A very, very fascinating challenge now in the United States. And after two years, we failed for different reasons. And the owners, two big corporations, decided to pull the rock on it and shut down the project. The project was basically provide affordable, affordable housing in the United States. And we had all kinds of support at every level that you can think of, financial and government. And for, again, different reasons, we couldn't accomplish what was committed, uh, what was promised. The two corporations decided not to pursue any more. And it was very sad. I mean, the same kind of fulfillment that I got years before when completing that humongous project, I felt the big failure of not providing affordable housing to low-income people. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was both ways. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of ups and downs. How, how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you manage the stress? Well, 
when you are moving forward and you are accomplishing something, stress is stress is just part of the picture and, and you don't even notice it because you are so excited about it. <laughs> when you are failing, then stress, you cannot ignore it because it's all, all over you. I mean, failure is right there and uh, you are being exposed to failure on, the, on TV and not every day. So you have to learn how to manage it. So when you're not working on your other businesses or helping, what do you do? How do you unwind? Since I was a teenager, my father gave me the first uh, camera, photo camera. And from there on, uh, photography became my, not my hobby. Down the road, it became almost an addiction. Or I would say an addiction. And fortunately, it's a positive addiction. So I can enjoy the hangover of the, of the addiction with other people. And when you and you describe it as an addiction, sort of lay out what you mean by an addiction. Like how many photos do you have, or what do you do? Like that, I have mean like an addict, like an addict to anything. I have to be doing it every day. <laughs> Fortunately, now you have the cell phones, so I can carry my camera with me all the time in my pocket. But before that, I had to carry to carry the camera with me in my car. So. Uh, lucky me, I mean, photography is very useful in business. In construction, it's, it's a great tool, and it helps me immensely. And then I focus my addiction in taking pictures of, of faces. So during my traveling, I was always fascinated on how different each one of us is, I mean, the, our features. So, yeah, landscaping, pictures of landscaping, buildings is, is nice, but doesn't motivate me. I mean, what motivates me is to take a picture of a person, a face. Very nice. That is what keeps me sane. No, that makes a lot of sense. Now, just going back to your uh, simple list and, and stuff like that, what are, what are the most common things that come up that, you know, that need to be addressed, you know, especially with uh, growing organizations? If, and it can go for downsizing. Well, if we're talking about consolidating a business that is already successful, that will be somehow easy because you're already successful. If you haven't been successful and you're talking about downsizing, it is how you downsize is as important as how you grow if you are growing. Why? Well, because if you are on downsizing and you don't do it right, you can simply go bankrupt easily because you are not succeeding. If you are growing, on the other hand, and you don't do it right, you can go bankrupt because you're growing too fast. Yeah. Or you are growing into territories that shouldn't be yours. Either way, the uh, issue of defining what matters to your business right there, whether you are downsizing or growing or consolidating matters. I mean, because if you are a startup, some areas of your business will be very important, very critical. If you are consolidating, some different areas might be important or critical. And if you are growing, likewise. So if you are growing, financing, of course, becomes very critical issue for obvious reasons. But these days, especially after COVID, supply chain became I mean, the issue. I mean, I don't care if your financing is solid. If you have all the money available, but supply chain fails you, well, then no business no or no growth. So how you deal with your suppliers? How do you deal with the suppliers prioritizing your specific supply, et cetera, become becomes uh, critical. Yeah. 
a lot of people talk about growth and strategies around growth, but let's let's go into downsides. And you talked about prioritizing. Give me an example of considerations with consolidation or downsizing. What should people be thinking about? This, this is the thing. Whether your business has 10 people or 10,000 people, letting anybody go is painful. Yes. If your business has been in business for long, then you have people who have been with you through good and bad, whether they are they have ownership or not, it doesn't matter. But then the loyalty factor becomes a very heavy burden on the decision makers. So who to let go, when to let go, how to let go becomes an impediment for downsizing, but it's very human, very emotional of sorts. And that prevents a lot of downsizing for, from being efficient. So you delay letting people go as much as you can, hoping for the better. That is where if the decision maker or makers will have the critical information needed for them to make wiser decisions on one page with percentages on the side all the time, well, then they will see that if they don't let go one people today, they might, they might need to let go 10 people tomorrow. Mm. Who will that be the first one to go? Well, then again, a one page report based on I mean, showing a seniority or, or cost of people or cost of severance would eventually make those decisions not easier, but less painful. Here we go again. I mean, the moving target is what are the critical areas for your business at any given time? It's a moving target. I mean, the fact that you and I might define that your business is, is that certain areas are critical for your business today doesn't mean that those areas will be the same in a month. It's a moving target. Case in point, I know of businesses that were very virtual before COVID and didn't suffer transition into Zoom, but some businesses that were 100% physical, depending on physical interaction, they took a lot of time and cost and pain to adapt to Zoom. And some of them couldn't do it and, and failed drastically because, for instance, construction. How do you do Zoom in construction or do you construction in Zoom? You can. I mean, you might make you want to make Zoom your tool to meet people, but you cannot build virtually. So, and how do you supervise? Okay, well, you can send somebody with a camera to allow you to see things remote, but see? So that by itself changed the whole thing. And then the effect that COVID had in supply chain was, you know, well, we all suffer from it. Yeah, for sure. When you think about your future or your legacy, what, what things come to mind? Or does that even matter to you? It's twofold, twofold. I mean, uh, is one is, I mean, I mean, I, I left the school almost exactly 50 years ago. I say almost exactly because it's gonna be uh, practically in a few months. But as, as we talked during this conversation, during those 50 years of being in action, life took me to many different places humongous projects, small projects, small startups, big startups, ownership or not, failure or not. So I think that I accumulated a number of experiences that were very costly to myself and to the people who paid for those experiences. Because of my work in consulting, I am always trying to give back to a client or to anybody who will listen or who will need anything that will be of help. So take the 50 years of experience and put it to work for whoever. 
sometimes not pay, I don't care. That is one, one side of the equation. The other side is that through all of these 50 years, well, actually more than 50, because I got my first camera earlier than that, <laughs> through my so many years of taking pictures, I took pictures of families and friends and not. So during COVID, well, I, my, I made my challenge to organize all those pictures and to give access to the people who are on those pictures. So many of them never had a copy of the picture or didn't even remember that the picture was taken. So it has been very fulfilling for some of them to look back and enjoy those pictures. Wow, so you digitize them. During COVID, I digitized all my paper archives that were around 15,000 pictures. Wow. And uh, before that, I had well, everything digital. So after COVID, and I had COVID, so I had at the beginning of COVID, so I was 20, 20 days completely secluded by my wife out of precaution and ignorance uh, because we didn't know what, what the heck was going on. So it, it was 20 days of, of scanning and organizing. And recently I finished organizing all my pictures and I have uh, close to a million. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yes, that's what I wanted you to quantify when you said obsession. And I, I have already, I have already uh, shared the links to some master folders for family and friends. Each one of those family folders has uh, anything between 40 and 80,000 pictures. Wow. The different families that I am related. Very nice. Well, you have some wonderful stories and wonderful memories that are supported by your photo photography. I sent a link to, uh, recently, I sent a link to people you know with uh, all the pictures I took during my years working with them. And it was, I think it was, I don't remember if it was 38 or 48,000 pictures. Wonderful. What they do with the pictures, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's my kind, kind of legacy. <laughs> Wonderful. I love it. I, I don't think many people can say, say they have a legacy that is yeah. so comprehensive. Yeah. Very graphical, for sure. <laughs> Alberto, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to mention or... I will emphasize the, the two little rules that we that we talked about: the keep it short and simple, and as much as possible, regardless of what we're talking about, whether a family, a family discussion, or a big uh, corporate decision, keep it to a single page. I mean, you will be amazed. I mean, if we're talking family arguments, emotional or not, it could be a, an inheritance or a divorce or anything. When you manage to write down everything that we're talking about on one single sheet, you will be amazed how much easier the solving of that or those challenges become. So just keep, Wonderful. It, keep it short and simple, keep it to a single sheet. Thank you, Alberto. You're welcome. Thank you so very much. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com